He is risen. Amen. Today is the sixth Sunday in the season of Easter that begins on Easter Sunday and just keeps going, right? We're still celebrating and we're still marveling at this truth. And I think that this continued, this sustained celebration uh, can be kind of difficult for us. Uh, because, yeah, our, our culture likes to throw parties. You know, we like to have fun moments. But to really sit in and marvel in celebration, resurrection, it's a challenge. But that's what we do. We marvel at this truth that Jesus is alive. And that because of his life, death no longer reigns. And because of his resurrection, we too will be raised. And this is what we've been talking about and sitting with over the past several weeks. But there's more. Because not only is the Son of God alive, but Hebrews chapter 4 says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, right? And so that means that this is not just an old, dead book to be studied, but rather living words to be interacted with and to live by. That's why we spend time each week dwelling in the Word. Because we believe that these words are living and active. That when we come to them, each time there will be something new and something fresh to speak to us. And I think that we are called not only to learn the Scriptures, but to really live in these Scriptures. And one of the best ways to do that, to go beyond studying Scripture, is to enter into praying Scripture. And one of the best places to learn how to pray Scripture is the Psalms. And so we are in Psalm 18 this morning. Today, as we are, are there, I want to share with you a passage of Scripture that has been living and active for me over the last couple of months. Because I turned to Psalm 18 whenever my mother first went into the hospital a couple of months ago. And I read it, and I prayed this psalm over and over again while she was there. And then I returned to it after she passed away and read it and prayed it again with new eyes. And so I want to share this psalm with you this morning because I know that many of you also have experienced loss this past year, whether that's the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of some kind of relationship. Many of you may be amidst struggles right now and I think that this psalm shows us who God is in the face of our deepest struggles. It is a prayer. But I believe it's also a promise. It speaks of death, but it also speaks of deliverance. So let's hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 18. It begins, I love you. O Lord, my strength 
The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of perdition assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. And in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. And then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering around him his canopy, thick clouds, dark with water. And out of the brightness before him, there broke through his clouds hailstones and coals of fire. And the Lord also thundered in the heavens. And the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them, flashed forth lightnings and routed them. And then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He reached down from on high, and he took me. He drew me out of mighty waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms and for the invitation to pray to you and to turn the words of Scripture back to you as we enter into the life that you call us to. God, I pray that as we reflect on these words, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you look at your Bible, at the beginning of Psalm 18, you'll, you'll probably see a heading there that gives the psalm some context. And it says something like this. A psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addresses the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Right, so this psalm is David looking back on his experience of enemies and battle and near-death experiences, but also deliverance from them. And in fact, 
This psalm that we find, we find it here in Psalm 18, but we also find it somewhere else. If you were to flip back to 2 Samuel 22, you find almost this exact same psalm there. And in that context, it's right at the end of David's life. And so it's very likely that this psalm is not simply David reflecting on one experience of deliverance, but rather a whole lifetime of experiences of deliverance. And so imagine this old king, right, looking back on his life and praying to God. And he says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my refuge, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And so I shall be saved from my enemies, right? He opens with all of these images of God. And I love them because they are concrete and personal. Hold on to those terms, concrete and personal, okay? Because this is one of the greatest gifts that I think the Psalms give to us. Vivid language for knowing God. Think about the words that we typically use to describe God. Okay, if, if you're asked, tell me about God. What, what do you know about God? We might say something like, well, God is good. Or God is love. Or God is strong, right? Or have any of you ever heard some of those big theological omni words? Omnipresent, omnipotent, stuff like that right? He's all-knowing, all-powerful. He's everywhere. Here's the problem with words like this. They're all so abstract, and they're all so impersonal, right? Let's try this for a second. Close your eyes and try to picture one of these, right? Close your eyes and just imagine for a moment, God is good, or God is love, Try to picture strong. Right, now try to picture omniscient. All right, you get the point, right? These are not picture words. These are not things that we can really grab hold of and imagine. But now, try this. Close your eyes again and picture this. God is my rock. God is my fortress. God is my shield. Right? You can almost feel the rock under your feet or the shield in your hand. These are picture words. They're concrete rather than just abstract. And they give us a very real way to relate with God. And there's another problem with these abstract words, and that's, like I said, they're so impersonal, right? Saying that God is good or strong or all-knowing doesn't actually say anything about us. And here's the deal. Satan could easily say the very same things about God. The devil knows God is strong, right? The demons know that he is all-knowing. But... Look at the words of the psalmist. God's not just a rock. 
God is my rock. God is not just a fortress. He is my fortress. God's not just a shield. He is my shield. These are personal. And the devil could not utter a single one of these because they are confessions of faith. They're concrete and they're personal and they're pictures of faith. And so this is where this psalm opens. It's this image of God, a strong foundation that we can stand on and dwell in. But then things change in verse 4, right? That image of a strong foundation fades away, and instead there are now cords of death writhing almost like snakes wrapping around the psalmist, squeezing the breath out of his lungs. But with what breath remains, he cries out to God and says that God hears him. And this cry for help is yet another picture of faith. Because if we truly count God as our rock and refuge, then we will call to him in the midst of trial, pain, and struggle. To cry out in faith is to trust that God is real enough to hear us and personal enough to respond. And then look at the response that the psalm describes. There are nine verses of intense and vivid imagery starting in verse 7. And it's like God is a great dragon, right? Breathing smoke and fire flying down from the heavens. It's like God is a great storm with dark clouds and bright lightning, strong winds and crashing waves. And these images are wild and they're intense. And as I was reading them and reflecting on them this past week, I began to think of something very specific. Right, Because it says that the mountains trembled. It says that the smoke went up. It says that coals flamed forth. It says that dark clouds and there was thunder. And I began to wonder, were any of you here for the eruption of Mount St. Helens? Can any of you remember back to that? Right, This was long before me, uh, a week ago yesterday was actually the 39th anniversary of that eruption. And for those of you who were here, I, I would love to hear your stories and your memories about that. But I think the images of this psalm began to remind me of an erupting volcano. And I was reading about it this past week and what it did was just crazy. Heat from the earth caused rivers to literally boil. The cloud of ash spread out across the entire U.S., reportedly reaching New York City only a few days after the eruption. But what struck me most from what I read, the interviews and, and the videos and descriptions, is how quickly it all happened. Because 
One of the interviews was actually a couple who was flying over the mountain in a helicopter right about the time that it happened. And the way they described it is that one moment, the mountain was there, and then the next moment, the entire side of the mountain had collapsed, and ash was spewing into the sky. And the pilot of the helicopter was very quickly trying to fly away. And this is how the psalmist describes God. In one moment, he's crying out for help. And in the next moment, God responds in a rush, in a wild fury. Now, some of these pictures might seem a little confusing to hold together, right? I thought God was a rock, a firm foundation. Isn't an exploding volcano the opposite of that, right? That's, the, that's getting rid of all of the firm foundations. And yes, you see, God is a firm foundation, but he is anything but immobile. He is anything but still. God is the firm foundation that unseats and breaks apart all of the other foundations that we set upon our lives. Look at verse 15. It says, The foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord. God is the foundation that lays bare all other foundations. He breaks apart our idols, our sins, our fears, our distress, and he delivers us from them. And this is ultimately the picture that this psalmist paints. In verse 16, it says, He reached down from on high, and he drew me out of mighty waters. And then in verse 19, he brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. God responds. God rescues. He takes us out of the waters that we were drowning in. He unwraps those snake-like cords of death. He breathes life back into us. And why? Why does he do this? Not out of obligation or duty, not just to flex his muscles. He delivered me because he delighted in me. God delivers because he delights in you. I think that's what it means in Hebrews chapter 12, where it says that, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross and disregarded its shame. Because no, the cross wasn't joyful, but it was worth it because he delights in you. God delights in delivering his people out of mighty waters and into a broad place of safety back to that firm foundation, who he is. And this is the psalm that David sings as he looks back on his life and praises God for all the tough times he's made it through. And this is good. 
And honestly, I could probably end the sermon here and we could all walk out with vivid images of God and pictures of faith that we've talked about. But I think there's more to the psalm than just this. Because you see, David could sing this after making it through a lot of tough times. But how do we sing it whenever there are tough times we don't make it out of? How do we sing it whenever there are loved ones who we've lost? How do we sing this song whenever we cry out to God and it feels like he hasn't heard us? How do we sing this song when it looks like the chords of death are winning? You see, I prayed this psalm in the hospital while my mom looked like she was recovering. Then after she died, I had to look at the psalm again. And there is more to this psalm because the Word of God is living. It's active. This psalm is not only a prayer of David. I believe it is also the promise of Christ. This is the key to reading and understanding the Psalms, especially in the midst of our struggles, our trials, especially in the face of death. Christ is the key. And so I want to encourage us to place the Psalms in the mouth of our Savior. We must read this not only as a psalm of David, but as a psalm of Jesus. And so imagine for a moment Jesus fasting in the wilderness. He is hungry. He is weak. And Satan comes to him saying, turn this stone into bread. And then look at verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. Jesus lived his life in the concrete and personal reality that God was his rock. That God was his fortress. That God was his deliverer and his shield. And so he went through life with utter confidence that God was with him. And he often called upon the Lord, who is worthy of praise. And that didn't change when he met the end of his life. And so now imagine again, Jesus is strapped down on the cross, about to drive in the nails. And then look at verse 4. The cords of death encompassed me. Destruction is coming upon me. He becomes entangled with the grave and confronted by death. But then remember his cries from the cross. God hears and he responds. I love the way that Matthew describes it. In Matthew chapter 27, it says, From noon on... Darkness came over the whole land 
while Jesus was on the cross. And then Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last. And it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It says the earth shook and the rocks were split. Isn't that so similar to that wild image from this psalm? Look again at verse 7. The earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the mountains trembled and quaked. And why does this happen? Why does it tremble and quake? It says, because God was angry. God's response to death is anger. He is angry about death. He is angry at the way the enemy has marred the life he created. He is angry at the way that we suffer and sin. And just like our bodies tremble with rage, so the earth trembles at the rage of God against death. But when we hear the psalm in the voice of Jesus, we know that's not the end. And that's where this psalm transforms from a prayer into a promise. Because the resurrection of Christ is a promise of our own deliverance. We can read these words. He reached down from on high and took me. He drew me out of the mighty waters. He brought me out into a broad place. And even though they are all past tense, we know that they are our future. We know that they're about us. They're about the loved ones that we've lost. They're about the struggles that we face. And in the light of Jesus' resurrection, we know that truly he has delivered us because he delights in us. And as it says in verse 46 of the psalm, the Lord lives, so blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. This prayer of David is the promise of Christ. So as you go from here, I want to encourage you to embrace the living and the active word of God. Don't just study it. Pray it. Don't just learn it. Live it. And may it shape all the moments of our life. In good times, let us call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. In hard times, let us cry out to God in our distress. And in all times, let us receive his delight in us and declare that he is risen. Amen.